Super. With Mario, this is Mario's favorites of 2023. Thank you for listening. Now here is your host, Mario. That was a great intro, Jason. I couldn't have said it better myself. That is my new AI, I mean, real human person, podcast assistant for this episode, Jason. Thank you, Jason. What is up, everybody? This is Get Super with your host, Mario. I am Mario. I'm the host of Get Super here on the Cinema 7 Network. This episode, I'm going to be talking about my favorites of 2023. That's right. I know we're strong into January now, 2024. We only have like a week and a half left of January, but, or as I'm recording this, we have a week and a half left. I don't know when you'll listen to this, but I, I didn't get a chance to talk about uh, my top 10 movies and stuff. So this is the episode where I'm going to go over my favorite TV shows, uh, all the movies I liked out of this year, everything. It's going to be a big extravaganza episode. Um, there's been a lot going on since I got to, uh, talk to you guys by myself. Um, me and my friend Gil, I edited and put out the episode. We talked about AEW, uh, World's End, and we talked about who should face Roman, Cody or The Rock at, uh, WrestleMania. Then me and Steven put out our review of Saltburn, which I'll get into because I'm going to mention some uh things I, I some things i wanted to talk more about from saltburn that i didn't get to mention in that episode um i hope you guys enjoyed that episode with me and steven me and steven were a little more quiet than normal uh because his roommate was there but i did up the sound and things like that i didn't realize how much i upped the sound in in the game because it it created this big boom when we were too loud maybe at times, so I, I tried to reduce the, the boom, and uh, I just hope it was a fun episode and you guys got to listen to uh, my friend Steven. So I, that, that's that's all I care about, is if you guys listen to those episodes for my friend Gil, and you listen to the last episode for uh, my friend Steven. Same with the uh, Christmas edition episode I did with uh, Steven, Laura, Matt, and Brandon, and uh, Matt's mom, and, and Laura's mom. Uh, I hope you guys listen to that episode for them. And I forgot, I put out an episode with Chris Hawk, Fire and Ice. Get super with Fire and Ice. Me and Chris Hawk talked about uh, Indiana Jones because he wanted to talk about it. Um, what else did we talk about? Uh, there was a lot of stuff we, we mentioned. I don't even remember the full episode now. I, and I was on it. Oh, that's right. We also uh, reviewed Rebel Moon. We talked about Rebel Moon. But go check out uh, Get Super with Fire and Ice. Chris Hawk was one of the original members of Cinema 7. Uh, so I, I think it's only fair to have Chris Hawk on the podcast whenever. Whenever. There's a lot of things going on this year. Hopefully we get more mystery meat from Joey. Uh, he moved to Seattle for his uh, nursing profession. His nursing job on the road. Uh, John Kenoki is still MIA. Uh, he, he's looking for the big bucks, looking for the big contracts. So hopefully, uh, cinema seven network can sign him back. You know, he's a free agent. Maybe there's another podcast out there that w- wants to sign John Kenoki. Uh, but yeah, it's been a while since I recorded an episode by myself and got to talk to you guys. So what's been going on with me? Um, I'm over, uh, a month or two into starting my new job. I'm have spent a lot of money and got into MetaZoo, uh, which I read that the the creator of MetaZoo is kind of a jerk. So I think I'm going to halt 
my uh, spending on MetaZoo. I do want to get. I am spending. I'm not spending the money through MetaZoo. I'm getting it through the uh, other sellers. So hopefully, that doesn't mean I'm contributing to MetaZoo if the creator is really a jerk. But it's it's the thing that drove me to MetaZoo is it's Bigfoot, Mothman, the Jersey Devil, uh, all these urban legends created into cards, and the game seemed interesting to me because it's a lot like Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, Magic and Pokemon, the trading card game, all rolled into one game. Uh, there is more uh, terms I have to I have to learn because they don't just say draw. They don't just say your your deck. They don't say uh, the cast or play the card. You know they use other terms, and it's kind of uh, annoying to relearn terms that could be simplified by uh, just stating those things that we're already used to. But yeah, with everything I bought through MetaZoo, I guess I'm a MetaZoo collector now. I also recently played the Aliens board game. I got really into uh, playing this cooperative game. I played it with my friends Steven, Matt, and Brandon, and I love it. I love it so much I bought the expansion, or one of the expansions, and I bought uh, something off of Etsy to hold all the cards for the player. I really enjoy this board game. Now, my friend John, John Kenoki, who was a member of Cinema 7, he has the board game Nemesis. This game, the Aliens, uh, what's it called? A Glorious Day. Uh, it, it's similar to Nemesis, but Nemesis has different uh, objectives. Like Nemesis, you want to crash land on Earth or Mars, or uh, you want to destroy the ship, um, everyone gets an individual goal in Nemesis. And uh, the game plays a little bit different in the sense of what can spawn and how things spawn, because you're also fixing things in Nemesis. In the Aliens board game, it's completely cooperative. Where Nemesis, I mean, Nemesis can be cooperative, but uh, depending on the individual's goal, uh, it might turn out to not be uh, cooperative. But in Aliens, it's completely completely uh, cooperative. Excuse me. There's always going to be six pieces on the board. So you, uh, even if there's three of you playing or two of you, you're going to be controlling the other characters as grunts, which is basically like an NPC. Like if you're playing Fire Emblem, you have your main character. Or Boulder's Gate, you know, you have your main character, but you're you're really going to on each turn, control what each person does, or those, those grunts. And also the objectives are really different in uh, Alien. So like the first mission, you have to save Newt, who, if you've ever seen the movie Aliens, she's the little girl uh, that kind of befriends Ripley. Or Ripley becomes like a mother figure for her. Uh, you have to save her, and then you have to escape. You have to extract, I guess, or find the exit. But the game's not over once you get new out because it says to complete the mission you have to get new out with two characters. But if you're playing the campaign style, which means you continue on to the second mission, now this is how it gets drastically different from Nemesis. You want to get every other character out because if you go on to the next mission and you have two characters die, those two characters don't come back for the next mission. See what I'm saying? Uh, I think you can turn a grunt into a playable character if your character dies and the grunt 
is alive at the end of the mission. I don't know, though, because I've, I've only played it once, and I've played the first mission. So hopefully I get to play that more. Uh, but those are two things I, I've gotten really into. You know, I have ADHD, so I, I hyper-focus. So once I saw there was Bigfoot cards or Mothman cards, and then I saw uh, this Aliens board game and got to play it, now I'm hyper-focused on these things. And that happens when you have ADHD. Like I said, I apologize beforehand because this is probably going to be a longer episode. Uh, the first movie I saw of 2024 uh, was Night Swim. Me and my friend Steven, speaking of Steven, uh, we saw it together the other night. Uh, it was a movie. The first half wasn't bad. Okay, I, I was enjoying the first half. The pool scenes gave me anxiety. If you're, you're going to give me some kind of emotion or make me feel uncomfortable, I'm, our, I'm in. But then the second half was pretty bad, in my opinion. And overall, I, I probably wouldn't watch it again. Uh, but if you, if you liked Night Swim, you saw it and you liked it, I'm glad it has a fan base because, you know, these are just my opinions alone. I mean, you could have really enjoyed Night Swim, and that's fine. And I would like to discuss that with you at some point. So if you know me in real life and you like this movie, let's talk about it. Why did you like Night Swim? There's a uh, person I follow on TikTok and Instagram, uh, Little Katie TV, who I really enjoy her movie reviews. Uh, she liked Five Nights at Freddy's, and there were some other movies that she liked, and she talked about it uh, because other people didn't really like them. And I think people were saying mean comments even after she said she liked these things, which is stupid. You know, everyone has their own opinion. I don't understand why people are being mean. But it's also uh, award season, and that's why I'm also happy to finally get to my uh, favorites of 2023 uh but she's all about award season so if you like you know the oscars the emmys uh, you know all those movie awards and you know you you like movie reviews go check out Lady, little katie tv i did want to get more into saltburn like i said me and my friend steven saw it you can go back to our episode Get super with Steven and Mario and, and listen to our thoughts on Saltburn. We also talk about Nimona, that episode. It's a Netflix animated movie. Now, now I get the appeal and I understand the shocking scenes and twist uh, being a part of the, the appeal of Saltburn. Sorry, I said appeal twice. I couldn't think of an, another word. You know, the unhinged, psychotic nature of the character. Uh, I can see all that being a reason for people to see depth of it. And and honestly, to me, I, I mean, I, I understand and see where the depth can be seen. Uh, it's just that the movie's not that interesting to me. It's kind of boring. I, I, I did talk to people who were very engaged with the movie Saltburn. I know a lot of people like the actors involved in Saltburn. You know, Steven, and we talked about in the last episode, with him and I, uh, he's the one that brought it up that the movie was being a litmus test for uh, sexual compatibility for couples, and and basically straight females were, or straight women, I should say, not females. You know, they take their partner to watch the movie and gauge their reaction with the three scenes that are you know sexual taboos. How the guy reacts to the scene is how open they are for new experiences. Is I guess I guess is how they gauge it. I understand if people like it because to some extent it lets you theorize about the reasoning behind what we just experienced. Uh, at first, 
I thought the main character Oliver was maybe really super jealous and wanted to make the other character Felix jealous himself because of his obsession with him. You know, at first I thought it was maybe an innocent attraction, but definitely uh, an unhealthy one. I just don't know if this movie is rewatchable. You know, we talked about it in the last episode, Stephen and I. It's not going to be in my top 10. I think we talked about maybe rewatching it with other people to see their reactions. You know, and, and speaking on the, the taking your significant other to it or, or trying to gauge sec- sexual compatibility through this movie. Um, you know, I'm a sexual person. I, I, I have desired for more partners sexually. And I do like to explore my partner's pleasure gauge. You know, I, I find sex to be an honest desire when you, when you love someone. And even when you have a crush on someone, it is natural to think about sex with your crushes, you know, uh, what it would be like. Or, or the thought that of, you know, the sexual adventure. And, and I believe in understanding each other's fantasies and kinks. Or just wanting to know what your significant other wants sexually. Uh, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a gift giver. And and all these things I highly prioritize with my partners uh, sexually. And and I I want their sexual well-being to be, I don't know, uh, I want them to be comfortable in bed. I prioritize their pleasure. Uh, It's how I also enjoy the experience. By having my partner enjoy it. I just think uh, society should be more open to explore our sexual desires and fantasies, but definitely not like this, though. Saltburn is unsettling. I will say this movie is uh, uncomfortable. I don't think this movie should uh, be glorified for its unhinged moments, you know, the main character's psychotic nature. Definitely don't explore something for shock value. Uh, that is stuff you and your partner should talk about seriously and explore privately for each other and not for the sake of wanting to try something you saw in a movie. The uh, significant theme of this movie, I think, is more about the rich and the poor and the rich using the poor or the rich being very naive and ignorant while trying to devour the lower class. And you could even say that the theme is also the poor eating the rich. And, you know, we, we got into it a little bit on the last episode uh, with Stephen and I, but I, I just wanted to state that this, the scenes in this movie should not be glorified to gauge what your significant other is willing to do or not do. Uh, continuing on, uh, Sundance happened this past week. My cousin Luke Nixon, the uh, filmmaker himself, was at Sundance. Uh, Kristen Stewart stars in Love Lies Bleeding with uh, Katie O'Brien from uh, Ant-Man Quantumania fame and Star Wars Mandalorian Season 3. The movie premiered at Sundance with an enthusiastic response and partial standing ovation, which means half the audience must have thought it was weird, which sometimes there's a lot of good weird. Will Ferrell also made a uh, documentary about taking a road trip with his trans best friend. The documentary is called Will and Harper and is a portrait of the relationship between him, between himself and his trans best friend Harper Steele. The pair embarks on a cross-country road trip and 
It has rave reviews, and the movie premiered at Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah on Monday. Lucasfilm announced basically out of nowhere that one of the feature films they are working on is The Mandalorian and Grogu. I guess The Mandalorian isn't getting a season four, and instead it's getting a movie, The Mandalorian and Grogu. They haven't really stated that information to be true, but that's the way it seems. Continuing with some Lucasfilm news, uh, the, the Ray movie supposedly is rumored to be called The New Jedi Order. Actually, a lot of drama in the Star Wars fandom surrounding the Ray movie's director, uh, Shereem Obid Kanoi. Uh, I'm sorry if I said the name wrong. Um, she said it's about time a woman is at the forefront of Star Wars. A lot of Star Wars fans took that offensively, apparently, or have stated that she should have said more about what she likes about Star Wars or what connects her to Star Wars. Um, If you don't know who Shereem Aboid Kanoi is, she has worked on Miss Marvel. She's also a two-time Oscar winner for uh, two documentary films she's made about uh women in Palestine. So she's she's very active in women's rights, especially in Palestine. I guess uh, a year ago or a few years ago, uh there's also a comment about her uh liking to make men feel uncomfortable that has been clipped online. Uh it seems like that this quote is taken out of context and not in, in the whole statement from the interview that she did is not being uh, really released online with this quote. So it's, people are taking it as she's a man-hater. And the large number of the Star Wars fan base are men. And I guess this is adding on to the controversy. And I want to play the entire clip because I think there's more about what she says that's more significant Versus how everyone is taking the quote. This is happening now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you are watching the lessons of, and it's, it's a dramatization of the lessons of it, as an activist and an artist, do you make that calculation? Who is my target? You talked a little bit about, I want women to watch this, and I want them to feel empowered, and I want my daughter to have heroes I couldn't help but notice a a thread through each of these uh, that the men were assholes. (laughs) And I'm wondering uh, as one of them what is the balance of activating a force for change but also trying to permeate that patriarchy, that power structure? And is that a part of the calculation of your art as well? And and what's been the reaction to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I like to make men uncomfortable. I enjoy (laughs) making men uncomfortable. Not you, just just not, you. Not know, you. Not not you. Point taken, point taken. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is important to be able to look into the eyes of a man and say, I am here 
and recognize that, and recognize that I am working to bring something that makes you uncomfortable, and it should make you uncomfortable, because you need to change your attitude. And it's only when you're uncomfortable, when you're shifty, when you have to have difficult conversations, that you will perhaps look at yourself in the mirror and not like the reflection, and then say, maybe there is something wrong with the way I think, or maybe there is something wrong with the way I am addressing this issue. You know, the, the reaction from the fan base, I think this is exactly why she said those things, because the fan base is largely male, right? The Star Wars fans have been very anti-woman. You know, there's been negativity about the character Ray calling her Mary Sue. That's not been used to uh, describe, you know, the writing of the character. They're, they're literally insulting the character with the term Mary Sue. Uh, honestly, they, they should be talking about the writing as a whole in a constructive way versus doing that. And, and hating on the actress Kelly Marie Tran for her role as Rose, I mean, they made her quit social media, for crying out loud. The fans were also very uh, sexist and racist towards Moses Ingram for her role as Reva. Uh, there people in Hollywood and, and even the Star Trek uh, cast themselves of Strange New Worlds came out to defend Moses Ingram. Uh, the fan base was even very racist towards John Boyega, if you remember, when finding out that there was a black stormtrooper in Force Awakens. Uh, the fan base hasn't been kind, and I'm glad we have a woman director, and I hope Ray is well-written this time to be the true leading character of a Star Wars movie that, that we all want. You know, I, I think that there is a large majority of the Star Wars fan base who are very open minded and and very inclusive and we want a female driven main character uh, we want to see something different we want to see something new so so i hope that this ray movie is is good because the sequel trilogy was not good and that's not any of the actors faults that is the people behind it the directors and the the writers to be honest there is evidence of the male-driven part of the fan base being sexist and racist, and I think as a person who's a part of the Star Wars fandom, it needs to change, and I support Shereem Boyd Kanoi. Sorry if I messed that up again, I'll just call you SOC. And I think she's got a point about actually having a woman take the forefront of Star Wars, and I hope that she makes men uncomfortable, because... You know, let, let's have better people in the Star Wars fandom. And as she said, being uncomfortable usually provokes change. I forgot to mention, at work, I drew this whale onto a bookmark. And another girl I work with, she colored it, which was, it looked really good. Uh, but they displayed the bookmark because they did like a whale theme. Because they had the aquarium come and talk about whales with people at the library. And uh, it was really cool, and my, my uh, bookmark was displayed throughout the, uh, the city. It was sent to all the city employees, um, which was really cool. So yeah, and other than that, I mean, I've been playing a lot of Boulder's Gate 3, and I have an argument for why Boulder's Gate 3 shouldn't be Game of the Year. There is way too many glitches for this game to be Game of the Year. There are too many issues. Like, yeah, it's got a great story. It's addictive. But at the same time, these glitches are disgusting. And not only that, like uh, the way P 
people join your game and you can't delete custom other custom characters so you can have other friends join because other friends will join as that person's character if that person's not in the game. Polar Skate 3 is not game of the year. Shush. But let's get into my favorites of 2023, uh, my top five shows, my letdowns, my uh, movie honorable mentions, and my top 10 movies of 2023. Now, all the movies that I saw in 2023, I will go over. Uh, I saw Megan, A Man Named Otto, Knock at the Cabin, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, Scream 6, Creed 3, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, John Wick Chapter 4, Cocaine Bear, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Shazam Fury of the Gods, Air, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Shin Kamen Rider, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, The Flash, Evil Dead Rise, The Last Voyage of the Demeanor, Barbie, They Clone Tyrone, No Hard Feelings, The Mall, The Creator, Dick's the Musical, Five Nights at Freddy's, The Marvels, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Blue Beetle, Godzilla Minus One, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Indiana Jones 5, uh, Leave the World Behind, Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls, Talk to Me, The Holdovers, Iron Claw, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Rebel Moon Part 1, Child of Fire, Equalizer 3, and uh, Nimona. The movies that I didn't get to see are The Boy in the Heron, Dream Scenario, God, This is Margaret, Passages, Bottoms, uh, and there was something else. Oh, and Poor Things. I didn't get to see that. The uh, TV shows I watched this year were The Last of Us, The Bad Batch Season 2, Mandalorian Season 3, Love and Death, Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Righteous Gemstones Season 3, Ahsoka, Secret Invasion, The Bear Season 2, Futurama, the newest season, uh, The Ark, sci-fi show on Peacock. Uh, I think it airs on the Sci-Fi Network. I could be wrong. Uh, Gotham Knights, Rabbit Hole, which uh, is on Paramount+. Plus, Based on a true story, uh, Zom 100, Bucklist of the Dead, which was a great anime. Uh, the Adventures of Superman, which is a good animated show on Max. Uh, Velma, yes, that did come out in 2023. Uh, Twisted Metal, The Fall of the House of Usher, Loki Season 2, Bodies, Legacy of Monsters. There were a few shows, too, that I didn't get to watch that I really wanted to. So there were seven superhero movies that came out in 2023, and I saw them. Or the seven that I saw was Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, The Flash, The Marvels, and uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I think I named them all. But uh, I'm going to rank the superhero movies of 2023 in uh, the order that I think they deserve to be in from my my opinion. Uh, I'm going to go least to best. Uh, if that makes sense. So at number seven, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania was not good. I didn't think it was any good. Uh, number six was Shazam Fury of the Gods. Nowhere near as good as the first one, but it was still pretty decent and uh, it was a fun watch. 
Uh, number five, The Marvels. Super fun movie. I enjoyed the theater experience. Uh, I, I, I like this movie. Uh, number four for me is The Flash. I really enjoyed the story. Uh, the plot was pretty good and the big cinematic battle uh, leading up to the climax. But other than that, maybe the beginning was a little, uh, it, it was getting, it was a little slow getting to where I liked it. That makes sense. Like the first half setup was okay. And then it had me in the second half. Uh, number three was Aquaman, the lost kingdom had a hero's journey. Definitely had some cheesy acting, some corny lines, uh, was definitely very cartoony at times, but it was very fun. Uh, had great pacing and the story beats, uh, were really well done. Uh, number two was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It was an emotional, uh, good send-off for all the characters. And the best uh, superhero movie of 2023, I think, is obvious. It's uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. At least, for me, it was the best superhero movie. Um, now, somebody, on the, somebody might like something different on this list, you know, more than where I put it. And that's perfectly fine. You know, I... Um, if, maybe if you've seen all these, what, what's your superhero list of 2023? You know, which movies did you like more or less than the others? I won't count the shows because I, I'm going to count them as series instead of movies. Now, before I get into anything, I'm going to talk about my letdowns. Now on cinema seven, me, Chris and John, we, uh, came up with this idea to talk about movies that kind of disappointed us. Not that they were bad. But maybe we had high expectations or movies we didn't think were as good as they could have been. So we counted them as letdowns or said they were letdowns because people might like these movies. And we don't want to say, hey, these movies are super terrible, super bad movies. These were awful. We don't have a top five, top ten worst movies of the year. We don't we don't like to do that because people have all of their own uh likes and dislikes of things, right? So we have movies that let us down. And I hope that makes sense. Um, and if this movie let me da- that let me down and you liked it, you know, uh, I apologize. You can, like I always say, you can tell me why you liked it and maybe it'll change my mind. So my five letdowns are, number one, Transformers uh, Rise of the Beasts. I really, I grew up with Beast Wars, Transformers Beast Wars. And I, I really enjoyed that as a kid, that show. Um, I, I was looking for full nostalgia and I was looking for, uh, you know, Optimus Prime and in, in the gang to turn into animals. And that is not what I got. You know, they, they were still their cars and they fought with different, uh, Autobots or whatever that turned into animals themselves. Like they're from a dis- different planet. They're from the past. Uh, they're different type of, uh, I forget what they're called, the Autobots. The I don't know. It just wasn't. It wasn't Optimus Prime turning into a gorilla. It was a different guy who was different Prime turning into a gorilla, and that disappointed me. Number four is Rebel Moon. Uh, me and Chris Hawk on the Fire and Ice episode talked about Rebel Moon. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I didn't think it was a good movie. I thought it was okay, and I, I, you guys know if you listen to the podcast, I had high expectations for this movie. I really wanted it to be pretty good, and it wasn't as good as it could have been, so um, for me, it let me down. Uh, Shin Kamen Rider. Now, Shin Ultraman, 
I was very mixed on. I'm a big Ultraman fan. I'm a big Godzilla fan. Shin Godzilla was amazing. Shin Ultraman was a little bizarre. And, uh, but, but it did have really good elements to it. The CGI wasn't that great. I think they could have done better with the story. Uh, I think the director was just trying to be too out there with it. He could have had the Ultraman character fight better and more like the original uh, show, maybe. I don't know. It just, something about it wasn't that great. And Shin Kamen Rider, which, which wasn't bad, it still let me down. Uh, Air, the movie Air. It, this movie felt like it uh, came and went. Uh, watching it, you know, I, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. I grew up in the era when Michael Jordan was really popular. I had Jordan's, the shoes, you know, I, ha- I had uh, Jordan cards. I still have them. I still have this Jordan watch I got. I still have this Jordan plate that you would get in the Sports Illustrated set. Uh, the year he retired in 98, um, there was four collector plates for him and I have one of them. And, uh, like I said, I still have some Jordan cards and I saved my Michael Jordan Jersey as a kid. Uh, so I was really excited for this movie. And, um, like I said, this movie, when you watch it, it comes and goes. So it, it was kind of a letdown. Not a lot happened. Then again, you know, the movie isn't about Michael Jordan per se. It's just about the creation of the shoe. My number five letdown is Last Voyage of Demeanor. I had a whole different idea of what I thought this movie was going to be. It's not a bad movie. I had some friends that, you know, they didn't think it was as big as a letdown as I did because, you know, in my mind, I uh, had such a, um, a thought of what this movie could be. And because it wasn't, you know, it, it honestly just let me down personally. So those were my five letdowns. That from 2023. So this year I wanted to do something different. Now, every year on Cinema 7, you know, we've uh, added extra things or or we've tried to do different uh, things to our lists. Uh, We've had best books that we've read in the year. We've had best video games we played in the year because sometimes we talked about uh, certain video games and stuff because we're gamers. We were all gamers. we had this thing called best moments of the year, and it was like uh, best moments we experienced watching a movie or the best moments uh, being in the movie theater. You know, what was a good movie theater experience we had? And I- I'm kind of doing that, I guess, best moments, but it- it's best scenes or best sequences uh, that I've seen in a movie. And I have a list, but... The list isn't in any particular order. It's just uh, a list I made from 1 to 10. I I thought I'd do 10. Uh, So these are the best scenes or the best moments uh, in film uh, from my experience. Things that that I really enjoyed uh, when I was watching movies. Uh, Number one, even though this movie was on my letdowns, uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts had a really amazing scene. It's when Bumblebee uh, returns with uh, Mama, knock, Mama Said Knock You Out by L.O. Cool J. One of the best moments. It was amazing. It was fantastic. He's brought back to life. He drops from this 
a helicopter or airship or whatever. He drops in, starts kicking ass, and Mama Said Knock You Out's playing. It's one of the most badass things I've ever seen. The movie, yes, was still let down, but that scene alone was pretty amazing. Uh, fake number two. I, don't, I wrote down fake number two. Uh, John Wick 4, The Stairs. Uh, fighting up the stairs and getting knocked down the stairs. And the only reason I was going to say number two and the reason it's fake number two is because I hated it. Uh, I was so frustrated in the movie theater when I saw that scene. Anyway, on to the real number two is uh, Gemma Allison Williams uh, in Megan using Bruce the robot, the prototype she built to fight Megan. Uh, that was a pretty cool scene. You, they set it up earlier in the movie, uh, in the movie Megan, uh, like showing other things that she made and, and how it works. And you just knew it was going to come up later. And when it did, it was pretty awesome. Most of these are action sequences, so I apologize. Number three is uh, a scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's the uh, Horde hallway fight scene or they're in this corridor between uh two doors and the beastie boys song plays and the guardians are fighting off all these different aliens it's amazing and it's how i would write a movie is by listening to music and just i would probably write something stupid like that but amazing uh fake number four is dicks the musical flying vagina saves the sewer boys it was uh yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it, just simply great. Uh, real number four is the Flash, when the Flash and, uh, Michael Keaton Batman save Supergirl. I thought that was a really good sequence, or a really good scene. Uh, number five is, in Ahsoka, the TV, the TV series on, on, uh, Disney Plus, Anakin teaching Ahsoka one last lesson. It was in episode five. Uh, cause they teased it at the end of episode four, uh, her being in the world between worlds and in episode five, Anakin, uh, kind of shows her her past, but he's doing it to kind of teach her a lesson. And I think it's pretty neat that anybody can interpret what the lesson is differently. And, uh, I thought it was a really good moment. Number six, I wrote down the Marvels, the teleporting, switching places fight scene with the villain. Uh, towards the end of the movie, I thought that was pretty amazing. It was a good action sequence. Uh, number seven is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, when Snow is uh, finding the stolen weapons hidden from the uh, district police in the floor of the cabin they go to. Uh, you kind of see him become unhinged, and you start to see his psychotic nature show how this character uh, changed. And you, you see it in this scene on his face. And I thought that was one of the most compelling scenes in a movie all year. And it wasn't from, uh, you know, a Golden Globe or Academy Award movie. Uh, number eight, Godzilla Minus One. Uh, this is probably one of the most amazing things you'll ever see if you go to see Godzilla Minus One. I think it's still playing. And on January 26th, they will be having... Uh, Godzilla Minus One back in theaters in black and white, and you have to go see it just for this freaking scene alone. Godzilla is chasing this little pontoon boat collecting mines left behind from the war, and it's 
I don't even know how else to uh, describe it other than spectacular. Uh, number nine is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, the 50-minute train sequence. Uh, it was the best part of the whole movie. And at number 10, I put Zac Efron uh, running the ropes in the Iron Claw. Have uh, you heard me and Chris Hawk talk about it on our Fire and Ice episode? Um, I mentioned that I thought Zac Efron was the best wrestler in the movie out of all the other actors. And uh, he ran the ropes really well in this scene. And it shows, you know, him just getting ready, training, uh, doing cardio. And if you've ever run ropes before, uh, it, it's not very forgiving. So, um, but th- there is an adrenaline rush to it. So I, I really enjoyed this scene as someone who has been in a professional wrestling ring and have watched professional wrestling and, and, you know, been involved in training and watched training. So let's get to my favorite uh, TV shows of 2023. I think I already went over all the shows I've watched. So I'm going to go over my honorable mentions. Uh, these are three shows that I thought are worthy of being in the top five, but, you know, I, I didn't know where to put them. And I only wanted to do a top five for TV series because that's what we've always done on Cinema 7 even though this is Get Super with Mario. Uh, honorable mentions. I put The Bad Batch Season 2 on Disney+, Plus because if you're a Star Wars fan, if you like The Clone Wars, I think you'll really enjoy The Bad Batch Season 2. It was a lot better than the first one. It had more emotion behind uh, the storytelling and, and the character development. Uh, number two on my honorable mentions is The Righteous Gemstones Season 3 on Max. Uh, super hilarious, my kind of comedy, the way it makes fun of super churches and stuff is, uh, amazing. And everyone does a fantastic job in this show to be funny. And John Goodman is the glue that holds everything together. Uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Um, I didn't expect the show to show Godzilla in it. And it did. It, it was more than I was anticipating. It, it showed a lot of different monsters and them hunting monsters and, and the start of Monarch, which I really enjoyed. It was kind of a mystery element, but also an origin story uh, for Monarch and for certain characters, like John Goodman's character that you see in Kong Skull Island. There's a family element to this show. Kurt Russell is really good in it. Uh, his kid, I think, is does a better job than his dad in this show, playing the younger version of this character. Um, He wasn't very good in Night Swim, but he was good in Monarch Legacy of Monsters. If you're a Godzilla fan and you like the uh, newest American Godzilla movies, uh, check out this show on Apple TV. Did I say Max before? I don't remember. Uh, So my top five favorite shows. Now, I've never had an anime on my top five favorite shows, but I've had an anime movie in my top ten movies before. Uh, that was your name. Uh, at number five, I have Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Uh, this was a really good anime. I really enjoyed it. The first episode is really good. It hooks you. Uh, there's just a lot of everything you expect from an anime. There's comedy. There's drama. You know, it makes you feel bad for certain characters. It brings people together. It's a, it's a really fun version of a zombie apocalypse. At number four, I have Gen V on Amazon Prime. 
Gen V, surprisingly, was really good. I mean, what do you expect? It's a spinoff of The Boys. The Boys is really well done. Uh, I love The Boys. I never read the comics. You know, I, I, I've, I've talked to people that have read the comics for The Boys, and they say it's pretty spot on. Um, I, I've seen some videos on TikTok, some creators describe Homelander in the comics as being almost like an evil Superman trope, and then in the show, they give him a little more depth. In the end, he's just a psychotic uh, character. Gen V was really well done. It had a My Hero element, which was pretty cool, in my opinion. A live-action My Hero uh, would be pretty sweet. Number three, The Last of Us on Max. Uh, I've played the first game. I haven't played the second game. Um, the show pretty much went with every beat that the game did, except for... You know the, the story of of the oh of the of the two guys in love. What Bill and Frank? It it kind of did a little twist on their story, but I think it did it really well. And it those were some of the best pieces of television uh, or series on a streaming platform uh, out of the whole year. Uh, number two is The Bear season two. I mean, just t- talk about the one Christmas episode. That is anxiety inducing. And it's, uh, if, if you have a family that's like that, it's traumatic. So, um, it's relatable. And, uh, the main character to me is very relatable, even though he owns a business and he's like this professional chef and he's done all these things, uh, through his characteristics, he's very relatable. So, uh, I really enjoy the show. It's very good. Everyone pretty much loves the show. Uh, they fall in love with all the characters. Um, if you haven't checked out The Bear on Hulu, uh, give it a shot. And my number one show of 2023, uh, with no surprise, Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this show. It's just so good. It's something I, I enjoy so much. I love this show. I love the way uh, uh, something from Star Trek like this can be just this compelling and this good i mean star trek the original obviously everyone knows about how the episodes had um meaning and and had a theme behind what was going on in the plot of that particular episode that week you know is relating it to social issues and next generation kind of did the same thing a little bit but except it, it made it a little broader with uh, just doing um, issues in general, you know, it didn't have a specific uh, theme. Sometimes it, it was just really good television, and uh, you you know that you could say that the other shows are less than, but there's a fan of each Star Trek series that, and everyone loves uh, a certain captain and things like that, and. Uh, we know of Pike from the Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams did, and obviously from the pilot of Star Trek, the original series, and there's an episode um, later on in the series that which uh, Captain Pike returns and he's injured. So you don't get much of Pike, really, and, and this show gives you more of Pike and what the Enterprise was like under him. It's very inclusive. It's very... Um, heartwarming this show uh there's a musical episode in season two that was fantastically done and i don't know if star trek ever did a musical episode before 
but it was awesome. And my good friend Chris Hawk was watching it, you know, every week with me in a way. Uh, obviously not in person. We weren't watching it together, but we'd watch it and talk about it. And it was, it was just, it's fantastic. You know, he, he was also watching Discovery. Um, I believe his wife's family is real big in the Star Trek. So it was just really cool to, to uh, talk about it with someone and, and just uh, love all over a TV show like this or a series. So those are my top five favorite te- television sh- series or shows out of uh, 2023. So let's get to the heavy hitters, the top 10 movies, my top 10 movies, my personal uh favorite my list whatever you want to say of 2023 now i do have honorable mentions here i have evil dead rise Uh, i thought that was the best horror movie of 2023 i talked about talk to me before uh i wasn't really a big fan i thought evil dead rise was the best in the genre um the mill on hulu uh i believe i talked about it on the podcast as well i thought this was surprisingly fantastic like i didn't know what i was getting into watching this movie and it was just thought provoking and uh the 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 twist of it all too was uh mind-boggling like it was it was just really good and really well done and going into it watching it not knowing anything about it uh really surprised me how much i enjoyed it it's the mill on hulu I have the Iron Claw. Um, it's not in my top ten list because, as a wrestling fan, I uh, wrestling fans in general uh, are very opinionated. And as a person who used to wrestle in the ring, as a person who grew up around it, my dad wrestled. You know, my stepdad wrestled. I've been watching it my entire life. I have strong opinions on wrestling, and uh, some of the wrestling wasn't very good. The story, like I said. Uh, before was out of order you can go watch dark side of the ring there's an episode for the von erics that talks about it all in order it's a really good episode dark side of the ring in general if you want to learn about some crazy shit in wrestling is really good um but it was good enough to get an honorable mention i also have creed 3 an honorable mention uh again you know it wasn't as good as the second one it wasn't as good as the first one it, it, it wasn't um, enough to make my top 10 list as much as I wanted to. And the first two creeds were on my top 10 lists the year they came out. Uh, this just, um, didn't have the same emotional feeling that those other ones had. And, you know, there was a big thing about the fight and Michael B. Jordan directing it because, uh, the fight scene and, and getting inspiration from anime, which you, you do get, especially the gut shot is very Dragon Ball Z. There's uh, images and, and metaphors within the fight, and and the crowd disappears, and things uh, show up that just describe the two characters and what they both have been through uh, while they're fighting. And it was really good. It just wasn't uh, the the better of the creeds, but it was a good send off if if that's the last Creed movie. And my last honorable mention, uh, I didn't get to see this movie. When I wanted to, the night it was in the movie theater, it was only in the movie theater for one night, and AMC, 
even though I love you, uh, I love you more than Regal. I do, I have to admit. Uh, Regal does have the better seats, though. I, I can't lie there. Um, you, your projector was broke or something, and, and I can't really blame your staff. I can't really blame you. It was just bad luck. Uh, but, and, and you did compensate everybody. You gave us all a free ticket to see something else, so I can't be too mad. But uh, I was really excited to see it in the movie theater, and I didn't get to see it. I watched it at home. Uh, it's funny. I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. You can watch it on Screenbox if you're into uh, horror and, and that type of genre. Or um, uh, I forget what they call this this genre. There's like magazines and, and things I, you know about it, like Horror Fest or Gore Fest, and it's just... Uh, special effects, you know, like The Thing and uh, The Blob, you know, all, uh, monster movies, things like that. And I think um, if you're into that type of stuff, you'll like this movie because the uh, special effects are pretty old school. And then the uh, comedy is, is uh, pretty good if you like this guy's stuff, like the Satanist kind of video and, and the uh, Arby's guy video. So let's get into my top 10 movies. So this list uh, isn't what I think are the best movies of the year in general. Like, I'm not like someone who's gonna say, uh, are you kidding me? This movie was better because it's on my list. No, this is just the movies that I thought were the best out of what I saw, and I wanted to rank them. And I've been doing it for years now, so um, I just really enjoy uh, doing this, making a list, seeing things, uh, deciding what I liked best. Um, now, like I said, I, I don't usually go see a lot of the typical Oscar movies. I don't uh, watch the biography movies or, um, like, what's the one that came out uh, in 2023 with uh, Bradley Cooper that he directed? It's about the uh, maestro. Is it is it maestro? And, you know, that movie, I tried to watch it, and it was just boring to me. Like, I need something that's going to excite me, and everyone is different, and everyone gravitates towards different things. Like, uh, my cousin Luke really loves Martin Scorsese films, and he really enjoys, um, he told me some of the movies he watched that, you know, I, I wanted to see uh, were Passages, um, he he watched Bottoms, which I probably should get a chance, get a, I should probably give that movie a chance, because it seems like it's a comedy you know, it's about queer people. So is Passages. Uh, but he, he, you know, he's more into the slow burn plot, character driven type of movies where, you know, his dad, uh, me, it, you know, we're more into like the um, action movies or uh, something that is generates excitement. Uh, well, maybe not generates excitement because that's also being opinionated because uh people get excited differently in different ways so this is just my top 10 of 2023 my favorite movies at number 10 a man named Otto with tom hanks i went to see it with my grandmother she really wanted to see this movie it has held the number 10 spot all year because uh of the movie experience i had going to the movies with my grandmother and watching this with her because we uh, went to go see this movie, and then right afterwards we went to go eat, and it was um, a really good 
movie-going experience, and uh, I think that's why it stayed in my top ten. Number nine, Nimona. I just talked about this movie with my friend Steven. I really enjoyed this movie. It's about acceptance. It's about uh, breaking down barriers, being more open-minded. Uh, it's it's a lot of things. And um, my friend Nick, uh, he's the one that uh, suggested that I watch this movie. Now, I knew it was on Netflix, and I kind of forgot about it, and I never got around to watching it. And um, he, what he took from it was kind of in the same lines of what I believe I took from it. But at the same time, you know, I, I saw different things from it as well. So uh, I just really enjoyed this animated movie. And it's usually I don't have animated movies on my top 10 list. I don't, I don't go see a lot of animated movies or watch them. And uh, this one was really good. Number eight is Barbie. Uh, that's probably going to be higher on a lot of other people's uh, lists, or it's going to be considered um, more favorable by people. Uh, I understand the message. You know, it's about women's struggles in society and living up to a certain uh, image or being presented uh, in a certain light. And it's about their struggle with just being themselves, like accepting who they are, accepting their body, accepting their uh, personality of being weird, you know, not being girly or anything like that. And the struggles that women face in society, uh, sexism and, and all that. And uh, it's empowerment. And the movie uses comedy and, and it uses the, the doll Barbie to shape that, that theme. It was really well done, and, uh, you know, um, I have a friend that thinks maybe the comedy stuff kind of diluted the message, but I think the message is still there, and I think it's very, hopefully, easy to see. Now, older people, or uh, like my grandfather who said that movie was bad, he is just old-fashioned, and he doesn't understand uh, not only comedy of today, really, but, uh, well, maybe he just has his own version of comedy that he likes or things that he finds funny, but, uh, he doesn't really, he's kind of, I don't want to say tone death, but he, he doesn't really see messages in things. He can't really, uh, visually or mentally see themes. So Barbie is number eight. Number seven is guardians of the galaxy volume three. Uh, you know, I've talked about this when I ranked the, um, superhero movies, it's emotional. It's a good send-off for all the characters. It's cool to see Rocket Raccoon get the spotlight in this movie and see uh, that character be brought to the forefront more instead of just the side, uh, goofy, wild card type of character. Number six is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. This was surprisingly really good. Uh, it is funny. It is comedic. You know, I, I play D&D with my friends. I play Boulder's Gate. At, you've heard me complain about it. Uh, I enjoy seeing it represented on the big screen. You know, there's a lot of th references and things that I didn't understand because I'm not that big into D&D. You know, I only play it to play with my friends and uh, I like the improv element to D&D &D and I like uh, being goofy and being a character, 
pretending, you know, combat is more fun to me than role-playing sometimes. Sometimes role-playing is more fun than combat. You know, it, it, it was surprisingly a very good plot, and uh, it was highly enjoyable, and I, I couldn't find... I don't know, it just it, it surprises me that it's here, but it's surprisingly good. Number five is The Holdovers. Uh, you can watch it on Peacock. Now, it is award season, so it's getting nominated for a bunch of stuff. I think it was just nominated for Best Picture by the Academy Awards. Uh, Paul Giamatti is, is getting his flowers for his role in this movie. I saw Dominic Ciso won um, an award for his role in this movie. I, I think that's good. I don't know. I didn't look up to see if he was nominated at the Academy Awards, but uh, he did really well in this, and I think he should be nominated. Divine Joy uh, Randolph was really good in this movie as well. She was the, the lunch lady, Mary Lamb. I, I watched this movie with my cousins and my uncle and my aunt on Christmas Eve, and uh, not only the combination of it being good, but uh, watching it with my family uh, just made the experience really enjoyable, and I think it it made me like it more, and uh, I just really enjoyed this movie, and that's why it's in the top five here. Number four is The Creator. Uh, Gareth Edwards, I think, knocks it out of the park with this. Uh, he did great with Godzilla in 2014. I don't know how much control he had over Rogue One because there's so much uh, stuff coming out about how it was rewritten and restructured and they brought in different director and all this. But, you know, if, if he had majority control of Rogue One, I want to give him the credit for that. Because Gareth Edwards, I think, is very good and and very underrated uh still and this movie the originality the uh the plot itself obviously we've seen this type of stuff before but the way this movie uh showcases the the characters and the acting behind it is is really good um it it kind of rushes through some parts a little bit uh you know they, they there's a lot of different locations that they go to throughout this movie it's really really good I, I don't know how else to describe it it's awesome it's it's original um i feel like this should be nominated for best original screenplay or something like this just was so fresh uh it, it was such a good take on science fiction and the whole android robotic scene that uh i really uh dug it uh, number three is Knock at the Cabin, starring Batista and uh, Ron Weasley, because that's what he's known as to me. But this movie was number one. It was also number two. And then it finally landed at number three on my list. But it is still in the top five because the acting was so good. Like, I can't... This acting was phenomenal. Like. I was surprised how much I liked this movie. I, I can see people hating on this movie. I can see people thinking this movie was a waste of time. To me, uh, the acting is what got me through it. The acting was spectacular by everyone involved. The little girl, uh, Kristen Chu, who played Wen, she was great in this movie. Uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, obviously, you know, Mind Hunters on Netflix. Uh, he's in Hamlet. The guy's amazing. Uh, Nikki 
Amuka Bird. She was fantastic in this movie. Her emotional scenes, like, you know, they say lost in the sauce. I was lost in the sauce on the acting in this movie. Like, it, it I think you should give it a chance. Uh, I think you would get, like, just lost in, in the acting and, and, and the characters. Uh, it was really good to me and, and really enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, the, the plot was okay. The ending was meh. But, you know, the, the acting is what really carried this movie. Number two is Godzilla Minus One. Uh, if you've been listening to Cinema 7 or you've been listening to Get Super, uh, you know how much of a Godzilla fan I am. I own almost every Godzilla movie. Uh, I have all the Gamera movies. I have uh, a lot of the Ultraman shows. I think I'm only missing a few. Uh, I love kaiju stuff. I, I love uh, the th- the theme of the first Godzilla, like humans, uh, you know, the atomic bomb metaphor. Um, Godzilla is one of my things that I'm into, and I was going to see this regardless. Now, Godzilla, I don't think is in this movie as much. You know, he, he doesn't really do a lot by the standards of what he does or what you see he does in other Godzilla movies. Um, because he's kind of like mini Godzilla in the beginning, and then there's the boat chase, which I described as one of the best scenes ever. Uh, then, you know, he, he goes to the city, and then there's the end battle, which he doesn't really cause a lot of destruction there. You know, it's kind of him just uh, struggling to survive as the humans kind of kick his ass. But this story... It's so much more than Godzilla. It's, uh, you know, World War II, post-World War II. It's about a man who's struggling with uh, his self-respect. It's about a family or people finding, you know, this, this family out of necessity. Uh, the, the, war, the, the main character, who was a kamikaze pilot, chose, he, he was scared. You know, which is normal, and and he was made to feel bad because he didn't honor his country uh, by sacrificing himself, and uh, you know he he feels bad about it. He regrets it. It's it's uh it causes a lot of self turmoil. He meets this this girl who has this child, you know, who's for some reason on the run, so she stays with him, and then he finds out that this child's not even hers. You know, some family gave it to her to take care of because she was there in the area, and family died. So now they're taking care of a child that's not theirs. He's taking care of this woman who he doesn't really want to be with, um, but they they create this home and and this family. And and the character, the way the character learns to uh, want to live again, because he, he kind of is sad. He wants to die. Uh, he wants to make up for what he didn't do during the war. It's he puts a lot of st- stress on his shoulders. He, not stress, but he he he's putting a lot of what happened to Japan on himself, and it's just a great story it's great storytelling and they made the movie for like 15 million dollars and the special effects are 
spectacular for that. And it was nominated at the Oscars for uh, Best uh, Special Effects. But I think this movie should be nominated for Best Foreign Film, Best Picture. Like, this was fantastic. I mean, the actors should be nominated for, for Crying Out Loud. Uh, they were beyond believable. You know, that their sadness, their their joy, their facial expressions, like the acting in Godzilla Minus One is way better uh, than people give it credit. And it's funny that the, the lead actress in this was in uh, Shin Kamen Rider, which I didn't know <laughs> until I looked it up. You know, it's part of that, that Godzilla, uh, what else, you know, Ultraman, it's become this part of this franchise, the Shin franchise, and uh, so I had to see it. But Godzilla Minus One, number two, uh, as a Godzilla fan, I want to make it number one, but my number one movie of 2023 is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The cliffhanger alone makes you so anticipated for the next movie. Uh, My friend Doug really hated the cliffhanger, and I understand. Uh, He explained it in nauseam, why he didn't like it. Uh, But I love cliffhangers because it it just, something, it wakes something inside you. Excitement, uh, uh, anticipation, like you're just, you're ready for the next thing. You know, the cliffhanger was, is amazing. It sucks because you're not going to get said thing for a while. Uh, I remember when me and my ex were watching uh, Attack on Titan. I think it was the first part of season four, and I didn't want to watch it. I wanted to wait till it was all out. And she was like, "No, we have to watch it." I was upset because it ended on such a cliffhanger, and we had to wait for so long to get part two. But it was exciting, and you can't beat that feeling. You can't beat how you feel at a good cliffhanger. And this movie, the plot was good. Uh, the the characters were good. The voice acting uh, made you believe that these animated characters were real. And I, I can't say any more awesome things about this movie because, honestly, I don't see any faults in what they're doing with it. it it's got to up the stakes, hopefully, and, it, and hopefully it's just as emotional and, and just as uh, relatable. That's the thing about Spider-Man and all of Spider-Man characters is like you find a way to relate to these characters and they always learn a lesson and the way that they get themselves out of situations, like they figure things out and, and uh, their survival tactics. Like if you're playing D&D, you roll survival to figure something out, right? Uh, this, it's that. It's uh, their intelligence is a, a fun part of how they get out of said situation. How they figure it out. And how you find out after the fact. It's not like during it. You know, you, you're like, oh, wow, they figured that out. You know, that's pretty cool. They, they, set, they set this up the whole time. Uh, I don't know if I'm making any sense. But Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is my number one movie of the year. So those were my favorite things, my lists of 2023. Uh, if you're my friend, please share what were some of your favorite things out of 2023. Uh, tell me your favorite books. Tell me your favorite video games. I don't care. Tell me your favorite wrestling matches. Uh, some of my favorite wrestling matches last year involved, uh, Jay, not Jay Briscoe, but, uh, Mark Briscoe and something about him 
just is I don't know. He he's on a different level. Watch the match with him and Jay White. Watch the match with him and Jay Lethal. Like those matches I think are the best matches of the year and nobody's going to think so because there's not high stakes involved. But the what was there was the emotion, the crowd, the way they they pulled you in. Something about Mark Briscoe that has the crowd uh really into him and how he can use that to uh, put together a great story in the ring uh, and structure a match is uh, amazing. And I think he was involved in some of the best matches of the year. Obviously, there was uh, MJF and Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, in the Iron Man match, which wasn't bad. I think MJF kind of goes overboard sometimes or a little too much with uh, his antics in the ring. and. Antics isn't uh, the way he acts or his attitude, it's his selling sometimes, and then how ridiculous he doesn't sell uh, right after the fact. So, you know, it's still one of the better matches of the year. Uh, I don't really, there's not a match from WWE that really sticks out to me. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey was pretty good to watch. I thought. Sean Alexander and um, Alex Shelley for the Impact World title was pretty good. I thought that was a good match. Uh, In 2023, I went to see DPW wrestling uh, with my friend Doug in North Carolina because they're not too far away. It's like three hours. Uh, But that's where I first saw that Brian Keith, uh, the outlaw, who's he's been recently signed by AEW. Uh, like I totally fell in love with the with the guy and the character that night, you know. So I'm rooting for him in 2024, you know. But but other than than all that, I I have changed and grown in 2023, and uh, you know, I still suffer from depression. Obviously, that's going to be that's may never go away because of the chemical imbalance in my brain. But uh, the way I battle it is differently than I have in the past. And uh, I can say that I am proud of myself for how I have grown last year. And uh, how I've grown and, and changed was affected due to, uh, you know, my grandmother's death the previous year. And seeing my uncle and my cousins go through what they did with my aunt, uh, Dawn, who passed away. Um, so, you know, through other people and through the lens of friends and family, uh, I have, uh, used that inspiration to, uh, change myself and grow into a better person. Um, I've been more accepting. I've been more inclusive. I've been, uh, more, um, I don't know. I've been more mature on things. You know, I've been budgeting better. Like recently I bought a planner and I bought a journal and I've been actually journaling, like writing stuff down in this journal. I've been uh, planning out bills and and things in this planner. I've been planning out my my times and and things that I plan Uh, because I used to be very terrible at that. I would forget or I'd forget to say stuff and mention it at the last moment or, uh, you know, I wouldn't write down any of my budgeting. And I would just spend money. And then, you know, I'm still terrible at spending money. Don't get me wrong. But I've been better at it because of this process of 
budgeting through my calendar. And um, it, it it's helped, you know, especially the journaling part. Like, I, I still don't think I journal correctly. Uh, I'm trying to just write down feelings and emotion, but it's really just me trying to motivate myself to be better in situations, not to overshare, um, not to, you know, fond over people that I like or, uh, you know, things like that. Like, I'm trying to improve myself while writing it into the journal. Like, things I want to be better at, I'll write that into the journal so that I, I not only do I read it back to myself, but I, I'm actively writing it down so that I can uh, change it in my mind. Um, you know, I, I uh, have met new friends last year or have, well, I, I don't say new friends because I knew of Matt and uh, Steven's new. So I, I've made friends with Steven. That's a new friend. And they have also helped me grow and change by just observing them and how they do things. And the people I work with now too, like seeing the way they interact with people or seeing how they handle things, it seems more professional, um, I guess. And, and maybe that's just the way my mind is growing. You know, I, I see those things more. Uh, I'm able to learn from other people more. And I don't think there's any shame in... <clears throat> I don't think there's any shame in, in learning from other people. You know, the beginning of last year or two years ago, I was trying so hard to change to be what, you know, my ex wanted me to be. I, I was like, I need to be this person. Maybe she'll come back if I'm this person. And now I'm starting to learn that I, I can just be a better version of me for me. And it's taken a while to get there. And even through therapy, you know, where uh, they were trying to install that into me, it wasn't really working. So I had to go through the trials and tribulations. I had to make the mistakes. I had to learn the lessons myself and, and really reflect and think about it to uh, get to this point. And, you know, obviously it's a struggle. It's, it's not fully complete. You're never fully complete because you're always working on yourself. I had, I just have other people to thank for that. And I um, am very grateful for the people in my life because of that. And, and even though I miss my grandmother and um, I, do, um, I do miss my ex because I really cared about her, but I'm glad that those things happened in a way because they helped change me and shape me into the person I am now. And it's sad, but also I'm very proud of who I've become. So. I hope everyone is trying to create new perceptions of themselves. I hope everyone's trying to have new outlooks and, and just look at things differently uh, and grow in better ways. And uh, I apologize, I was getting emotional. And like I said, changing and growth is different for everybody. So uh, it's not the fastest who wins the race. It's just how you get there. You may never get to where you exactly want to be, but you will become a better person along the way no matter what. Especially if you really want to. So to everyone out there, uh, I hope you have a great 2024. I hope you have a better 2024. I hope you get super or stay super in 2024. And look, I got to thank my uh, podcast assistant, my Real life human non AI podcast assistant Jason for this episode. Thank you. 
I, I, I felt like I needed an assistant for my favorites of 2023. Anyway, here's to everyone having a really good 2024. And of course, if you're feeling better about yourself in this current moment, you wouldn't have gotten here without the mistakes and lessons of the past and the things that you've been through. I'm not wasting no more time Cause here I